everybody. So today we have an interview with Dr. LJ Johnson. She specializes in endometriosis and hormones while utilizing holistic functional medicine. Dr. LJ has worked in the women's health industry for over 25 years while overcoming her own diagnosis of endometriosis. Dr. LJ's passion is to empower, motivate, and educate all women so they can too have a quality of life despite their symptoms or diagnosis. Welcome, Dr. LJ. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Yes. Uh, so we mentioned that you were suffering with endometriosis and yourself, you had a problem with hormonal disbalance. And can you tell us shortly about your story? Absolutely. So it took me 16 years to be properly diagnosed with endometriosis. So that was 16 years of feeling like I was losing my mind, 16 years of doctors not listening, 16 years of me then starting to question, like, is it really that big of a deal? Maybe I'm being dramatic, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me. And that whole time it was endometriosis. Um, it was a life-changing diagnosis for me. And I think it's also because endometriosis looks so different for everyone. Um, not all the symptoms are the same. So it appears differently in every single patient, every single person, which is why it's so hard to get diagnosed. Not to mention a lot of the misconceptions that are wrapped around endometriosis, because a lot of people just think that endometriosis is a period problem and it's anything but that. Yeah, it's complete hormonal disbalance, right? Can you tell us like what are actually hormones and what are they doing inside our body and why they are so important for, especially for women in perimenopause and menopausal women? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think before we delve into that, I should explain what endometriosis is because it does have a hormonal component, but it does touch all the other areas of our body. So endometriosis is uterine-like tissue found outside of the uterus. So it is not a period problem. It's not period lining. Um, it's not a womb or hormone issue. It is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. It also has autoimmune-like factors. These endometriosis lesions are anywhere throughout your body. They cause a lot of inflammation. These lesions also produce their own hormones, which are estrogen and progesterone. They inflame all the tissue around it. And so that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with endometriosis. So I think that's why it's it's so hard for people to get a proper diagnosis because when they talk about period problems and period pain, their doctor doesn't really make the connection that endometriosis is everything else going on throughout your body. Some of the symptoms that you experience and what uh, other symptoms that maybe other women experience and they don't know yeah. endometriosis. Yeah, absolutely. So endometriosis, like I said, can look different for everyone, but some of the symptoms of endometriosis are heavy periods. I, what I call the murder scene periods, you know, you're changing your pads and your tampons, like every hour on the hour, lots of cramping, lots of bleeding. Now, another thing with endometriosis is you can have bleeding outside of your cycle. So a lot of people that are like, oh, I have two or three periods a month. Not necessarily, possibly, but what it is, is those endometriosis lesions are bleeding when they are inflamed. So you think you're having multiple periods, but it's the endometriosis lesions. It can be chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. That can be joint pain, sciatic pain, hormonal acne, a lot of brain fog. Um, you get a lot of tenderness and swelling in your belly. So it's one thing to be bloated because you ate maybe bread or gluten or something you're allergic to versus endometriosis. When you have endo belly, that belly can be very hot and tender to touch. It's almost like heat is radiating from your womb space. You can have a lot of digestive issues, a lot of food allergies, nerve pain. Um, you know, it really does inflame your entire body. And that's 
like I said, it makes it very interesting and difficult to diagnose because everyone's symptoms look a lot different. Um, for me, another symptom that was very unique to my body is every time I had a period, I would also bleed, you know, from my nose. So I just assumed that it was normal. Every time you have a period, you're just going to be bleeding from everywhere. That was endometriosis for me which other people, you know, have never had a nosebleed. And not to mention, there's also endometriosis, which is silent. So some people have no pain whatsoever, zero pain, no real hormone issues. Then they get on the fertility journey and they start having challenges. They end up going to a specialist and have a surgery. And then they realize that they've got endometriosis, which is what we call silent. Therefore, you know, no pain, yet endometriosis lesions are wrecking havoc on their womb. You know, people, they think they have joint pain and they go to the doctor for joints. Uh, they don't think that it may be caused by hormonal disbalance and mm -hmm. something that is different that is causing this joint pain. Not going to the root cause, but going to the symptoms and just trying to uh, cover up the symptoms and taking some pills and medications, which is not uh, going to solve the problem on the long run, right? Absolutely. You have to look for root cause. And, I, and I've been there, right? And I... I say this, I don't come from the high horse. I come from the low horse. Like I was the person looking for supplements to mask every symptom. I was looking for a prescription to get rid of the pain because I didn't understand that it was multifaceted and so many different layers. Yeah, so can we now go deeper to the hormones and uh, how they function in our body, what they do, why they're important? Hormones are everything. And it's interesting for females when things aren't going right with our body, right? We, you know, when we're in a bad mood, we're like, oh, it's my hormones, right? Or if mm -hmm. we're PMS, and before our cycle, oh, it's my hormones, right? If you don't have a libido, you're like, oh, it's my hormones. We blame our hormones for everything, but we have to realize that gut health and hormones kind of work together. These are messengers throughout your body, right? It's the messenger that is controlling that gut brain connection, different functions in your body. And the easiest way to explain hormones is you need everything balanced. It's all about balance when it comes to hormones, gut health, anything with your health, all about balance. When these hormones are not properly balanced, that's when you start to have the flares. That's when you start to have the symptoms. Um, going back to menstrual health and period health, you know, it shouldn't be painful, but if you're experiencing pain, that lets me know that your hormones are all over. The two main ones that I really like to focus on is your estrogen and your progesterone as far as hormones. So estrogen, we demonize estrogen a lot as females because we're like, we're high estrogen. I can't lo lose weight. I can't this, I can't that. It's always negative, but you need estrogen. The way I describe estrogen, it's like your go-go juice. Like that's what gets you up and going. It gives you that energy. It gives you that sense of purpose. Then there's progesterone, which I always say it's what keeps us hired. It keeps us mellow, right? It keeps us from being super sassy and kind of balances everything out. Now you do have DHEA and testosterone and all those other hormones, but those two Two main hormones need to remain balanced. And so when you're going through, you know, menstruation, your cycle, your hormones go up and down, and then you have perimenopause, right? Where the hormones are starting to kind of decline. And that's where you can see a lot of symptoms as well. So hormones are huge, huge receptors in the body. It's communicating with the body at all times. And so for females, the biggest thing that we have to remember is that Hormones are here to help us. I think a lot of times when, you know, we're having issues, we want to blame our hormones because we really just don't understand that they're honestly just chemical messengers. Can you tell us a little bit how maybe our gut is connected with our hormones and what we eat can help and um, modulate and help us uh, with uh, normalizing our hormone, our balance, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gut health is almost like the foundation. Not almost. It really is that foundation, right? 
if mm-hmm. your gut is well balanced, you've got, you know, you're taking things like probiotics and prebiotics. And I think sometimes when our gut health is off, right, we just want to bring in a supplement, but you have to realize that gut microbiome and gut motility and detoxification are super, super important. So when we're talking about gut health, I like to explain a little bit about what leaky gut is. Because for a lot of people, you're dealing with a leaky gut and you're just like, oh, I'm just always bloated or, oh, this is just how it is. As I get older, I have more health issues, not necessarily. So when we're talking about gut health, what we want are strong, tight junctions. We want everything to be nice and tight so that when the food comes in, our body can bring those nutrients, you know, take everything out press the waste out. When you're dealing with leaky gut, you don't have those tight junctions. Everything is open. So food and different things are falling through, right? You're getting bloated. You're having issues. You know, it's that time when you eat that meal and you're like, gosh, it was healthy. It was organic. I don't know why I feel horrible, but then you feel really tired after, or you get extremely bloated, right? That's when we have to start looking at gut health and gut microbiome. But once again, the gut is connected to the brain. There's that gut brain connection. And remember those hormones are those chemical messengers. So there's a lot going on with your gut health when it comes to hormonal imbalances. For example, there can be a a chemical messenger in your gut health or in your microbiome that tells your body you don't release toxins. So even though you may be having bowel movements and pushing the waste out, your body is actually retagging that toxin and retagging that toxin and keeping it that can cause things like estrogen dominance, where you maybe your liver is doing all the work to process the hormones, but then your body is retagging them and keeping those toxins. And so when you're dealing with estrogen dominance, we're talking about things like weight gain, brain fog, what I always call the extra cushion for the pushing, all that extra weight between like the breast and the knees, that's estrogen dominance, right? Gut health where you're always bloated, you're either right into the bathroom every second or your bowels are locked up and you're not really processing and pushing that waste out. So this is where hormones come into play. And it's always the question of, you know, what can I do? Like, what are the foods I can eat to balance my hormones? Like, what are the answers? Here's the thing. Bringing in nutrition is going to be part of the puzzle, but there's also going to be those lifestyle changes, right? If you want to balance your hormones, if you're having hormonal imbalances, hot flashes, cravings, all of these things, I know it's very simple to just run to a supplement, but you really need to look at your gut health, right? You need to really make sure that that microbiome and everything is well supported so that you can stack those building blocks on top of that. Yeah, so as we see that gut balance is very important. So healing leaky gut is very important and bringing the good nutrients, dense food. So we have the good bacteria to digest the food and make it bioavailable, the nutrients to be bioavailable, absorbed by the cells. So the cells can function normally. And of course, the detoxification pathways must to be open and the liver must to process the excess estrogen to detoxify. So the, the other hormones will normalize, right? What you can suggest to the woman who have who are in perimenopause or menopause, woman who who needs like to balance more some of the hormones and what kind of uh, like food or what tips you can give us to suggest to that yes. woman? First thing when it comes to nutrition, whole foods and organic foods. A lot of the times when we're having hormonal imbalances and we're trying to lose weight or our body is inflamed or we're having insomnia and we just want a fix, we run to the symptom, we run to the supplement, but we have to realize that bringing in the whole foods, that's going to hyper nourish our body. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're always on the go, right? You're running the meetings, you're taking care of your family, you're taking care of children, you know, grandkids, whatever. You have to really sit down and take the time to hyper 
hyper-nourish your body with whole foods. And when I say decrease the processed foods, I'm not saying you can't have a protein bar or a snack or a shake, but realizing that you need to bring in those whole foods. We need to make sure that we're not doing always conventional or processed foods. Another big thing that wrecks havoc on our hormones are conventional meats, right? You need to be getting the meats and the proteins that don't have all the antibiotics, the extra estrogen. For example, if you're just buying your everyday run-of-the-mill conventional chicken, you're getting a lot of estrogen, right? That's being pumped into the animals. And then when you're ingesting that protein, that can also cause issues with your body, right? So making sure you're doing the whole foods, you know, decreasing, I'm not saying you can't have any, but decreasing the processed foods. The other thing that we really miss the ball on, especially in perimenopause, right? Your carbs are processed differently, right? Before you could maybe for someone that counts calories, maybe you could have a ton of carbs and your body was able to metabolize them. As your hormones shift, you're not able to take in as many carbs and process them as easily, right? That's where you start putting on that extra weight around the stomach, the hips and the thighs. So it's realizing that maybe bringing in those carbs at a different time, right? Maybe bringing in some of those higher carb foods, the higher sugars earlier in the day, and then also making sure that we're bringing in those proteins and healthy fats. And what I typically see in perimenopause is, you know, the weight shifts, your body starts changing. And then we go to this very restrictive mindset of, you know, I need to lose 10 pounds. I got to lose the weight. I got to get my libido back. I'm not sleeping. So we become very restrictive, right? The plate of, you know, food that used to be a whole foods and, you know, protein, fats, and carbs. Now we're only doing salads with a pinch of protein, or we're doing salads with fat-free dressings and all of these chemicals. And we just really have to change our mindset that whole foods and healthy fats that's not what's putting on the actual fat on your body, the adipose tissue. It's the toxins and that restrictive mindset and the counting of the calories. It's kind of funny. I was just thinking about this recently because someone was like, how many calories do you eat a day? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't count calories. I don't yeah, restrict my body. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many calories they're mm -hmm. like, well, what do you eat? And I'm like, well, I had some chicken, you know, chicken thighs. I'm like, I had a heavy metal detox protein shake or, you know, smoothie that I make. So I was like, I don't really know how many calories because what I'm doing is I'm eating to balance my hormones. I'm eating to decrease inflammation rather than eating from a restrictive mindset, a scarcity mindset of needing to lose weight, yeah. et cetera. So I don't count calories. And so I think that's a big thing in perimenopause and menopause. We're not bringing in the healthy fats, right? And if we're getting the fats, it's from like French fries, you know, from the restaurant where they're using the inflammatory fats, the canola oil, things like that. When we need to be looking more at like coconut oil, ghee, you know, olive oil, virgin olive oil, different options. So don't be afraid to put some fat on your plate. You also need that fat and cholesterol. And I know here in the US, we kind of demonize cholesterol. You know, we want everyone's cholesterol to be super low, but if you don't have cholesterol, those are the building blocks for, you know, these hormones that you need. You need that cholesterol. You need those healthy fats. So those would be some of my main tips to start with. Another thing I would mention that's not nutrition related is fitness related. As you start coming into perimenopause and menopause, maybe you loved running for 10 miles a day and now your joints don't really, you know, respond well, or you don't feel well, or you don't have that energy. 
it is okay to change your workouts. You don't have to be, you know, a cardio queen and do only cardio. It is okay to walk. It's okay to do Pilates, to do body weight exercises, to do strength exercises, to help build that muscle mass. Because as your hormones change, the muscle mass will change as well. And so it's once again, it's like, well, I used to go to the gym. I hear it all the time. I used to go to the gym and do an hour on the highest level in the Stairmaster. That may have worked for you in your 20s and 30s, but now that may be too much for your knees. You may not get the same results and you really need to do what you can to protect your muscle mass because the more muscle mass you have, that's what's really better for the metabolism versus the cardio. I always think of it this way. When you're in cardio and you're dripping sweat, nothing wrong with cardio. It's good for the heart, but you're only really burning calories and getting benefits during the session of cardio versus strength training, those muscles are still working 24 to 36 hours after that metabolism. That's why you eat a little more the days that you lift weights, that you do Pilates, that you do something strength-based because that protein is really going to work. Yeah, this is very interesting and very beneficial to know because people think that, like you said, taking supplements will solve the problem for mm -hmm. hormonal imbalance or whatever, leaky gut, whatever. But yeah. the thing is, they have to incorporate uh, like uh, whole lifestyle changes. Like uh, they need to to change the the diet. They need to change how they uh, exercise. They need to change also the the stress. They need to reduce the stress to find a way meditation mm -hmm. or whatever. So it's like a whole package. It's not like uh, one pill um, fix all the symptoms, right? Yeah, right. And anyone that will ever tell you this one vitamin, this one pill is going to change yeah. everything. They're not being honest with you. They're just absolutely not being honest. And it's a lifestyle change, right? Balancing the hormones and doing all these things. It's small habits that you stack that really bring the hormonal balance versus just that one item that changes everything. Yeah. And that's very important that you mentioned that uh, we need fats. We need the healthy fats because uh, our body makes hormones from the fat cells. And yes. So uh, people are afraid from fat, right? Uh, but they need, uh, like you said, the avocado oil or olive oil, like this ghee or something like that, a little bit in their diet and less carbs. Let's say carbs, like you said, in the morning, which uh, they can burn during the day and uh, exercise. With the, when do you suggest like to do the exercise uh, in the morning or in the evening? I always tell people when you feel your best, when you have the energy, mm -hmm. this is what happens. We get very set in our mind. Uh, you know, maybe you always went to the gym at 6 a.m. Maybe you don't feel like a 6 a.m. workout works for you now. Maybe it's uh, during lunchtime. I know for me, I used to go first thing in the mornings, right? When I was younger, it was like 8 to, you know, 8 to 8.30, I was in the gym. Now the time has shifted, or maybe with my work schedule. The thing is, is that we need to change the rigid part of our world where we're like, we have to be at the gym at this first time. We have to do this workout. Be fluid, be flexible, number one, right? Change that mindset. Number two, realizing that sometimes we over-focus on fitness and we need to change our mindset to movement. What does movement look like for you? Movement could be walking the dog, cleaning the house, having a standing desk, right? And moving around, not sitting down all day. It could be something like taking a dance class, going hiking. We have to realize that there's also functional movement. There are tons of people that lift weights and do all these amazing things in the gym, but then they reach in a cabinet and they, you know, they tweak their back, they bend over wrong and they, you know, have an injury because we need to be doing functional 
right? Functional training, not just, you know, static movements and these same repetitive movements. So find the time that works best for you that you're going to be consistent, right? And don't just go back to the workout that helped you lose weight and all that stuff in your younger years. Find something that you enjoy because if you truly enjoy it, you'll stick with it. Like for me, I really love to cycle. I'm a master cyclist. I love rhythm riding. That's my passion. Even on the days where I don't want to work out, I can hop on that bike, clip in my shoes, and it's like my happy place, right? But you have to have that workout or that movement that is your happy place and then find ways to stay consistent. And let's also realize that you don't have to work out seven days a week. I repeat, yeah. you don't have to work out seven days a week. Maybe for you, it's three days a week. You do this one day you take off, find your rhythm. It's about lifestyle changes. I think we, like I said, we get very rigid in those changes and that's where we just don't stay consistent. Yeah. yeah. And actually building muscle mass is very important because the, mm -hmm. the muscles are protecting the bones and which we have bone loss due, uh, due to menopause, right? Mm -hmm. Due to lack of estrogen. So for women, especially, it's very important to build muscle mass to protect the bones because I know my mother had two times fractures and she had mm -hmm. a very difficult recovery, you know? So this is very important, especially for women to have a regular exercise. For me, I like walking, so mm -hmm. I do like one hour in the evening walk, just clear my brain, I listen to podcasts, and you know, at that time during my walk, my so many ideas, new ideas are coming because my brain is clean, and mm -hmm. very beneficial, and it uh, brings positive energy, you know, many people are depressed now these days, so it's very important to incorporate some kind of movement because it's also affecting the brain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, it's interesting too. I come up with so much clarity when I'm on a hike, like some of my best ideas are when I was at the gym, when I was working out, it wasn't when I was like over the computer, just trying to figure out the answer. I just get out, get some fresh air, get some grounding. And like you said, like it all starts yeah. to come to you. It really is great for brain health as well, especially if you're dealing with a lot of brain fog and things like that. Yes, your hormones play a role, but being able to get that movement and just detoxify your body in a different way is super important. So I think we cover everything. Do you have any uh, extra tip or suggestion that you want to tell the, the woman out there or maybe the men also, they have yeah. issues with the hormones? <laughs> the biggest thing I would say in the end is... You have to be consistent. Whatever lifestyle changes you bring in, don't do the gimmicks, don't do the diets. You know, it's okay to do a 60 day challenge to kind of get yourself refocused, but bring in habits that you can habit stack and have for a lifetime. Yes, your genetics and traumas and different things you went through can load the gun, but your daily activities, that's what's really going to pull the trigger and turn your health around. Yeah, that's very important to incorporate. Um, daily healthy habits that if you stay consistent it will become like a habit and you will not mm -hmm. think anymore of uh, whether what you should be doing next tomorrow so if you get them uh, regularly doing them regularly so it will become a habit and you will not think anymore and all of a sudden one day you feel like healthy and happy <laughs> yeah it'll become second nature I mean there are things yeah. I do in the morning I get up I like to do my grounding I get the sunlight in my eyes like I don't think about like what do I have to do today like I just get up I automatically do it I say my prayers my affirmations I grab my lemon water and it's just part of my routine and I'm telling you if you get that routine and start seeing the benefits it also makes it a lot easier right when you start feeling that energy and that glow in your skin and you're like okay this is working it makes it a lot easier to stick with it Unfortunately, you know, people expect a result very fast, you know, mm -hmm. they do these few days and they say, oh, it's not working. So they, you know, they quit, but they need to be consistent. They said 
It usually takes like maybe 60 days or something like that to get the habit, to feel the results, some results, some kind of results. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to stick with the habit for 21 days, but then also I like the two months, the three months, right? Because I actually have a friend and he's like, I'm working out every day for a year. And so he's six months in and he's like, I couldn't imagine not doing it. Like now it's part of his lifestyle. Now I'm not going to work out seven days a week. That doesn't work for me, but find something. And once you start seeing the result, like it just, it's impactful. It's very powerful, but also sometimes bringing in a community. You need that community that's going to encourage you. Maybe that day that you're like, I don't want to, you know, I don't care about being healthy. I don't want to eat healthy. Having that community that can kind of remind you and also knowing your why. Sometimes our why is not strong enough, right? It was just to lose 10 pounds, to have more energy, but like, what's your real why? You know, I would like to drop 10 pounds so that I can spend more time with my family, right? I would love to get better sleep so that I'm more alert during the day and I can enjoy my work day. Like really break it down granularly, right? To what your why is and then tie your goals to that. That's very important. The purpose in life. We are all here with some purpose. So we mm -hmm. need to know why we are here. And in order to achieve that, we need to focus on being becoming healthier and be able to achieve our why and our purpose, our mission in life, right? Right. To have the energy to achieve that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. So I love this. Uh, all information was packed, you know, with all the things and tips, what uh, the woman can do, what they can implement right away. They can start doing it. First yes. time, first thing in the morning, what steps to do in order to start seeing results, not so quickly, of course. And if they're consistent, they will definitely see results. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So wait, where can people find you to follow you, to ask for help if they need? Yeah. If you guys need some support, we'll put the links. I do a free discovery call on um, 15 to 20 minutes. We can kind of talk about what's going on with you and help you create a plan. I also am on Instagram under the holistic endo expert. If you have endometriosis or are managing some hormone issues, I have my website, which is ljspowerhouse.org. And we are going to be shifting over um, to the holistic endo expert, but not to worry, whatever website you come to, you'll be, definitely be able to find us. Um, right now we are in the middle, about second day in the middle of endo unlocked virtual summit. So if you are managing endometriosis or any type of chronic hormone or womb wellness issues, you definitely want to click the link that we're going to give you totally free virtual summit. You also have the option to grab VIP if you'd like to save those resources and have them for later. That's perfect. Of course, yeah. we'll put, post the link in the comments. So anybody can register and follow the summit. Okay, thank you very much for coming. I wish you all the best and uh, to have a successful summit and take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.